Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, if you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word, Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product and Auburn is one of their biggest sellers like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Of course, we're now just a couple days away from Auburn's first division matchup of the season against LSU. At 6 p.m. Central on ESPN, Auburn is looking to win three straight games in this series. It's kind of crazy to think about that they have an opportunity to do that. Um, trying to win three straight games in this series for the first time since uh, since Pat Dye handed the keys over to uh, to Terry Bowden in the early uh, early nineties. Nineteen ninety four was the last time that they won that many in this series. Um, both teams are three and one and one and zero in conference play, though it doesn't really feel that way. It feels like these are two teams going in uh, pretty different directions. You've got LSU on a three game winning streak, you know, some mini winning streak after they lost that opener. To Florida State and Auburn won its SEC opener last weekend by the skin of its teeth over Missouri, though it hasn't performed very well at all in the in the past three games of the season. Joined here by uh, Jason Caldwell and 
Mark Murphy on our roundtable show. Philip was unable to join us this week, but we'll have him back next week for the roundtable episode. And um, Mark, you know, I, I feel like, again, these are two teams that are going in, in seemingly different directions, at least relative to where we are. We're only a fourth of the way through the season. Still a very small sample size, but LSU came out a little shaky in uh, in Brian Kelly's debut. I don't think a lot of people thought Florida State was going to win that game. And um, to Florida State's discredit, I guess, they tried not to win that game. They made a lot of bad coaching decisions, as did LSU toward the end of that game. But, um, you know, it seems like they've kind of gotten their footing under them a, a little bit better over these past couple weeks, um, particularly on the, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, this is going to be yet another talented quarterback coming in. Jaden Daniels has a lot of experience going back to going back to Arizona State. Um, and I, you know, you just feel like with when you look at Auburn, they're not going to score that much in this game. So you need you probably need to keep LSU from you know, three sustained touchdown drives in this game for LSU with, with Daniels. If he's able to hit on his guys is, is probably not a good thing. You probably don't put yourself in a very good position to win. So I, th- I think that's going to be, you know, the point of emphasis number one for this defense is is keeping him from getting outside the pocket and uh, and, and making plays like he does when he when he gets creative and, and giving them a chance to move down the field. Yeah, I like Jaden Daniels as a quarterback. Watched him a lot on the Pac-12 after dark games in recent years and uh, thought he was one of the better players in that league, Nathan. And uh, uh, yeah, I agree with you. These are two teams that are right now, unless something changes on Saturday night, they're going in different directions. LSU lost that first game, not because Florida State was better, more talented. It was just LSU didn't look like they were prepared at all disorganized and basically gave that game away. And I think LSU was embarrassed by that so much. They came out very sharp in game two against Southern. First time they'd ever played a university there in the same uh, city there in Baton Rouge. And I really believe LSU could have scored a hundred points in that game if they hadn't called the dogs off uh, and it was a 65 or whatever. But I mean, they really went easy on Southern, uh, but the game that impressed me was, you know, they beat a good Mississippi State team uh, down in Baton Rouge, and they came back. I think they were down something like 16-3 to in the second quarter, scored right before halftime and got the momentum changed and just went out there and played good physical football in the second half and beat Mississippi State, which is one of the more physical teams in the SEC from what I've seen. So, uh, um, yeah, this is going to be a real challenging game for Auburn, and uh, – you know, the Tigers of Auburn really should be two and two. You know, that that game handed to them. And if that was the case, if they were really were two and two, you know, Auburn would not have a victory over a power five opponent uh, since the Ole Miss game, I guess, last year, last October. So, um, yeah, the, Auburn still got a, a lot of proving to do to a lot of folks, guys. And obviously it starts, we talked about it earlier this week, but this matchup for Auburn, if they hope to do anything, starts on the offensive line. We were talking about it before we started rolling, Jason. But um, even without Mason Smith, who's that that five-star defensive tackle who had that really unfortunate injury celebrating against Florida State, it, it knocked him out for the year. Um, this is still an impressive front. Um, it's still got impressive pass rushers. It's still got a lot of talent on the interior. And you're asking a lot of this Auburn offensive line to be able to not only move the ball, just move move the front of the line, you know, be able to create push up there against this talented of a defensive front. Because as we saw against Missouri, 
which was not as talented along the defensive front, um, weren't able to create many running lanes. And, uh, and all indications are that it's going to be Robbie Ashford again at quarterback, and he's not exper- as experienced a passer as as a guy like TJ Finley. So you need to do everything in your power to be able to make this a simple game plan for him. And that, that starts with running the ball, and that's going to be a challenge yet again this weekend. Yeah, yeah, no question. That you, you look at it, it's it's kind of the same song, you know, seventeenth verse. Uh, you know, if you're Auburn football, um, you know, playing in a big game, knowing that your running game's got to step up and, and make plays, and you know they haven't consistently done that in, in in a couple of years. There's been we've seen flashes of it at times, but you know you got to go. You really got to go back to about 2017 to go. Yeah, that team was able to run the football against everybody and. You look what that team did until on Johnson got hurt. They were in a position to make the playoffs, and so, um, yeah, it's it's yeah. In my mind, it's a must. Auburn must be able to run the football Saturday against LSU to have a chance. And so, um, will we see some different, you know, looks on the offensive line? Obviously, we're going to see one with no Tate Johnson at center. We're going to see a different look there. We'll be surprised to see Brandon Council at center uh, to give them more size, more experience. Big guy, this this play there when he was when he was at Akron, he got some some snaps at center position, and um, yeah, you could see, you know, Brandon Council, Alec Jackson, Keandre Jones, Cam Stutz, kind of in the middle. That you know, three of those four guys. If you do that, you're talking about three twenty plus for all those guys. Um, the big question for me is 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 you know the snapping, especially in the shotgun. It was an issue in the preseason a little bit at times. Um, so that's something you have, you have to be, be wary of. But if you do that, you might have to go under center a little bit more and do some different things. But um, doing different things right now offensively might not be a bad thing, um, you know, because they got to find some answers and you got to do it pretty quickly um, because this schedule only gets tougher as you move forward when you start talking about things for Auburn. Um, you know, LSU is, is a you know, solid team, really good defense, and, and it has done this thing. In my mind right now, they're not – in the top half of, of the teams on Auburn's schedule. And most of those are coming up here in the second half of this schedule. And and, and uh, so if you're Auburn, you better start finding some answers on offense pretty quickly. Yeah, and it's crazy all the issues we've talked about for Auburn and, um, you know, just the outlook for the at least the immediate future of the season, just not necessarily the brightest, but at, at the end of the day, they, they do have an opportunity to go four and one in this stretch, which – um, we talked about before the season started as being absolutely crucial. We said can't go three and two, probably just can't do it. Um, because like Jason just said, they, the wins don't get any easier. Um, by the way, Jason, ESPN FPI now only a 51% chance for Auburn to beat Western Kentucky. I don't know if I believe that, but uh, it's it's the, the metrics like Western Kentucky because of what they've done on offense. So um, just sort of hits home on your point of, of things not getting any easier but um you know this has been such a this has been such a crazy series um my my first experience with this was my freshman year's 2016 was um i heard it referred to as the six kicks which is pretty clever i don't know if anybody had ever dubbed that one before but obviously daniel carlson making six field goals in that game it comes down to you know there's no time left and they don't actually get the playoff and les miles gets fired um the next day mark i just you know what are some of your favorite memories from, from Auburn LSU games? I know y'all, I just kind of wanted to give y'all an opportunity we haven't done that this much, that much this week of, you know, whether it's on the field, off the field, just, you know, in this series, I think, you know, so many fans and obviously us as, as reporters have, have so many experiences with, uh, 
with either LSU fans or games that happen. Just it's it's been a crazy series just year after year. I guess just what are some of the most memorable moments for you covering this series throughout the years? Well, I think it was the 2006 game, uh, seven to three at Jordan Hare Stadium, is the most physical college football game or any kind of football game I've ever seen. And while it was going on, uh, one of the sports writers were up in the press box, were talking to each other about, can you believe how these guys are hitting each other? And I doubt I'll ever see another game uh, that's comparable to that. And of course, the game at Jordan Hare Stadium when this old sports arena game was dubbed the, the night the barn burned, that was just surreal, Nathan. It was just like we were in the old press box, which is around the 50 yard line. And we could see over towards the student section, we could see flames leaping above the student section. And, uh, you know, one of my friends at the fire department told me, he said, if the wind had been blowing the wrong direction, that, that would have been a true major disaster. Fortunately, nobody got hurt. Just the old basketball arena burned down. Uh, but uh, and what happened was somebody, it was a rainy day, and uh, somebody started a um uh, a barbecue grill, they put it up underneath the eaves of this old arena, which was World War II surplus airplane hangar that they had shipped in from a, a air base in Louisiana, had it cut into pieces, put on train and shipped to Auburn, and then reassembled. And it was all this really dry uh, hardwood. And uh, uh, that thing went up like crazy. And uh, um, th th those are the games that really stand out. And, you know, uh, you know, all, Auburn's win down in Baton Rouge, 41 to seven, when it was very unexpected. Uh, that, that one stands out too. And uh, there's a couple games that, you know, like 2017 uh, down in Baton Rouge, Auburn just absolutely gave that game away. And it was probably Coach Gus Malzahn's worst performance as a head coach at Auburn. And uh, uh, boy, he irritated the fan base like no other game that I can remember. I'm watching back some videos right now of the of the barn burning game. Uh, that's just I mean, it's terrifying looking from inside. That you can see the, some of the players. You Did could, they stop play could, on the field? Yeah, you could feel you could feel the heat, you know, from that and and you know inside the stadium. Um, it was it was surreal. It was um, and even if that game still wasn't as surreal as, as the 1994 interception game, the turnover game. I mean, we never see anything like that one again. Um, you know, it was, it was, you know, very similar to last weekend and, and something you think you've never seen before. And, and it happened. Um, you know, Curly Hallman, I mean, Hey, that guy's, that was infamous. Um, that day LSU, if LSU had never run an offensive play other than kneeling on the football, they'd have won that game. No question. Cause Auburn was not going to move anything offensively on that day. A uh, Gabe Northern. I remember him, Gabe Northern was all over the place and, um, you know, did, you know, made a ton of plays on that day. That, that game stands out to me. And in 2004, that, that game, you know, the, the, the touchdown pass to Courtney Taylor pushed that team from thinking it was pretty good to knowing it was good. And it was, after that, it was like, a, hey, we're going to go out and, and, and roll everybody. And they did after from that point moving forward. So those are a couple of games that stand out to me. That 1994 secondary, that was the 
mother of all ball hawk groups back there. Those guys, if they were on this team, Auburn team this year, they would make a difference because, uh, you know, any ball in the air, they thought it was their ball. And uh, they were so much fun to watch. And uh, I'm with Jason. I was up in the press box saying, surely, surely LSU is not going to throw another pass. Why would they? Just drop on the ball and punt. Do it three times, and, and then you win by a couple touchdowns. And uh, it was the biggest gift I've ever seen given to Auburn, even more than last week against Missouri. Yeah, at least that day that Auburn did something to to, to make them, you know, gift. They did last week. With, you know, Auburn didn't do anything in return. Auburn just sat there and received those gifts. At least they did had to make a play against LSU. So I had to give them a little bit of credit. But the comeback was just so improbable. In the 94 game, that game was over after three quarters if they just hadn't gone brain dead. Yeah, it's similar to how the 2017 game felt. I mean, that was an LS. They lost to, was did they lose to Troy the week before or two weeks before? I, I think they I think they lost to Troy literally the week before they played Auburn. Um, I know I remember Abby dressed up as as, as a Trojan. Um, I was in the band. I traveled to that trip. And uh, I think Hastings caught the touchdown to put Auburn up twenty to nothing, and uh, we had we we had Neck as a stance tune. We had had it throughout the year, played it very sparingly, um, but you never never would have once thought to call it to call out that for Doctor Sperlin to call it at LSU. But when when Auburn goes up twenty to zip in the second quarter, I think he was feeling, I think he was feeling pretty nice, feeling like there we were in a good spot there, and so. He called out. Uh, he called out Nick, and then so we played that in LSU Stadium, and then and then they lost the game from there. So I always point to that whenever anybody asks, you know, what in the world happened. It was a it was a bad coaching job by Gus Malzahn, but I blame uh, I blame I blame the idea of uh, of playing Nick in LSU Stadium. It looked like he'd seen a ghost in the post game locker. Really, room really down there at Tiger Stadium. It was just it was tense to say the least. Yeah, that was that was Chark had the big punt return um, at the end of the game. You know, the two two losses to LSU, thirteen and seventeen, ended up really not mattering. In thirteen, they obviously go on to the national title game, and in seventeen, I think it was kind of a wake up call, honestly, um, for them to for them to pick it up the rest of the season and go on to win the West. Something that Glenn West brought up today, our one of our guys from over at uh, the LSU 24 seven site who brought up was uh, that performance in 2019 down in, down in Baton Rouge. Um, Jason, that was the night we had that incredible, you know, that seafood place in the, in Mississippi the night before. But uh, I still think about that seafood pasta, by the way. Um, but Derek Brown, just unstoppable in that game. That was the only game all season for LSU where Joe Burrow did not have multiple touchdown passes. He had one, in that game against everybody else, including playoffs, including the national title game against Clemson, um, had multiple touchdown passes. And so, um, yeah, just a crazy series. I'm sure, again, the 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 rainy conditions, I think they're kind of weaning off a little bit as we get closer to kickoff time, but uh, but still should make for a pretty weird atmosphere. Kind of a, yeah, there's always weird factors that go into this game. Um, anyway, we'll get now to, to something we talked about wanting to do before the show. Um, get around a little bit talking more about the matchup, and then we'll make our predictions. I guess I'll start with you, Jason. What is what is one thing Auburn needs to do in this game in order to have a chance to win? And then what is something that 
Um, if they do in this game, they will have a they will not have a good chance to win. I guess just what are the factors that could lead to a, what what is the biggest factor that could lead to a win, and what is the biggest factor that you think would give LSU the best chance to win? Yeah, I can I can jump out and be Captain Obvious, but um, they, they they can't turn it over much, and this offense needs help. This Auburn offense needs help from its defense. We saw it last week, and. Heck, if they don't get help from the defense against Missouri, um, who knows if they they score anything more than a touchdown until you know unless they get in overtime. The, the defense needs to help this offense. They got to create some field position, create some negative plays, create some turnovers, and and it's it's not something Jaden Daniels has done a ton of. Now he he's had some of the last two years. He has not thrown an interception this year, and um. Can Auburn create some some issues? I mean, this is an LSU offensive line that starts true freshmen at both tackles. That should be an advantage for Auburn. But the issue is you got to put them in, in third and long situations. You got to put them in some obvious passing downs. And um, can you create some turnovers? Get the ball back in in positive field position. Maybe some plus situations. To me, that's that's the recipe for for success right now for Auburn. I just don't think. You can be even or, or definitely not negative in turnovers. And and I just don't know if this offense has enough firepower to go out and score enough points unless the defense helps them out this weekend. Mark, I know there's not a lot not a bunch of options in terms of things Auburn needs to do well. It obviously all starts on offense. Right. And you know, I, my offensive uh key I would say is do something, make a r- couple big plays on offense, you know, run the zone read and you know, get Robbie Ashford out on the corner and make a guy on defense go the wrong way, take a step in the wrong direction, and he can turn what might should be a five-play gain into a touchdown. Uh, you know, I think LSU is going to put eight guys up near the line of scrimmage a lot in running situations, and I think Auburn will try to run the ball against that. They've been trying to do it so far, but every once in a while when teams do that, uh, somebody's going to misfit a gap or a running back is going to make somebody miss and there's nobody back there um, in order to make a play. So, you know, you can sometimes uh, make a huge run when other teams are being really aggressive on how they're playing defensively. And then, you know, they took a shot at it in the uh, fourth quarter last week, trying to block a punt, came really close to it. And, uh, you know, I think Rock Bell and Tony is a very good special teams coach. I think those guys are prepared to help them win games. And, you know, whether it's a punt return by Keontae Scott, whether it's a block punt, um, I think Auburn's got good kickoff returners if they get a chance to return kickoffs, which haven't had many of them this year because people have been kicking the ball deep. You know, I think Auburn's got a chance to hit one of those. In preseason, I said, I think somebody's going to return a kickoff for a touchdown this year. I'm still going to stay with that because Auburn's got really talented guys back there. But, uh, you know, I think those two things are needed. Plus, throwing what Jason said about having a positive turnover margin and not just a positive turnover margin, have maybe one of those go for a pick six or at least in really good field position. So, you know, the offense doesn't have to drive 70 yards to score, maybe 30 yards. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. 
a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and they've, they've got to, like I talked about at the beginning of the show, have to hold LSU down and keep them from, you know, three sustained touchdown drives. I just... I don't know if there's anybody that would say, you know, barring now two pick sixes or whatever, like we were talking about, that that changes the scoring multiples. But um, if you're counting on Auburn's offense to score 24 points on its own, I, I just don't – against this LSU defense, I just don't see that happening. And so, you know, I think the defense factors into it in a way where they don't have to be um, spectacular and, 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 you know, forcing turnovers would be nice. But I just think long, sustained drives, which we saw – Missouri do twice and then never do the rest of the game. Um, so obviously they had a really good second half there and they're, they're feeling pretty nice heading into this game. Um, but I think you've got to, got to keep LSU in the teens. I think if this game ends up being another 17, 14 Auburn feels better about its chances. Whereas if we're in the third quarter and LSU has just scored its third touchdown and now it's, they have 24 points on the board. That's going to make things, uh, things pretty difficult. So anyway, our, our score predictions now, again, you guys can always read them on uh, Thursday, around Thursday mid-morning on the website. We'll have him. So you'll get Phillips. I know he's not on here tonight, but you'll get his along with everybody else's. Mark is still firmly firmly in the lead of our uh, of our fearless forecaster standings heading into week five. Um, Jason, could change. We got some tough picks this week. This is, this is a tough one. We're starting to see more ranked versus ranked. Um, we were talking before we started about Kentucky and Ole Miss being a, being a tough one to go through. Um, we'll talk about some of those games here in just a few minutes because it, it is a really good slate of games. Um, I'm excited to be able to watch some of the early games. But, um, Jason, how do you see this one playing out on Saturday night? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think LSU's a juggernaut, but I think they're finding some things offensively with Jaden Daniels. And, you know, you get Kayshawn Booty back, um, Malik Neighbors outside. I mean, they, this is – they got some guys that, that obviously has LSU. You can go ahead and say they got some wide receivers that can make plays. And so, I think, I think about them. I think about, you know – Dash, I mean, they got some some really talented guys, and um, the the key for me is is you know Jaden Daniels running the ball. We've seen Auburn at times have issues with with quarterback runs, trying to create pressure, do some of those things. Jaden Daniels leads LSU in rushing. I think he's the difference in this game. I think the LSU twenty seven twenty. I actually think you know that this is an LSU team that has some issues of its own. I think Auburn will find a way to, to play better. I just just don't know if I can find enough offense for Auburn to win this game. Yeah, I'm a little bit uh, uh, wider on the margin. I've got LSU winning 28 to 13. And, uh, you know, I thought about making the margin even larger and uh, probably statistical reasons to do that. But, you know, I think Auburn's going to play hard. Uh, I th- the game being at Jordan Hare Stadium on Saturday night could be an advantage for Auburn too, and uh, uh, and I'm not a hundred percent convinced that LSU is 
you know, everything it needs to be to be competitive in the SEC West, at least for challenging for the divisional title. And but I'm with Jason on, on Jaden Daniels. I really like the guy. And you know, one of the ways you pull an upset at Jordan Hare Stadium is get the crowd frenzy with some quarterback sacks. But well, this guy is just slippery back there. He's going to be very difficult to sack. And uh, he's got really good receivers. You know, he's probably got five or six really talented wide receivers. And uh, uh, he's going to give him time to get open. So that that could be a problem. And so unless, you know, Derek Hall, who played really well last year against LSU, has a, a great game. And two or three other guys on the defensive front have a great game. And, and unless Auburn gets more aggressive with his blitz packages and some of those come home, I just don't see Auburn holding LSU under 20 points, which is what I agree, I agree with you guys. That's what they probably need to do to pull off the upset. Yeah, I remember last week, me and Philip both accidentally, maybe it was subconscious, said ahead of them playing Missouri that this was a show-me game for Auburn's offense. Um, well, if that was the case – then against Missouri, they didn't show very much. And and that's just, you know, I was, I was doing a, the story today, kind of compiling the statistics for this week, um, heading into this game. And um, I just keep going back to, it was especially true last week, but now they have even another game under their belt. This stretch of games here at the start, Penn State is obviously the outlier. It's a ranked team, and that's probably going to be a top 10 team. It might be a top eight or seven team here in the next couple of weeks. Everybody else should not be good competition. Mercer, San Jose State, and Missouri. That should, if you're Auburn and your talent level, that should not be stiff competition. So I just, at this point, it's still the show me phase, but also it's kind of they have showed, shown me because when you're talking about three of your four games are against Mercer, San Jose State, and Missouri, and some of their numbers are what they are on offense. Um, it's like Jason said. Yeah. Where to now? Because now you start playing the big boys in the SEC from here on out. And and this is what you started with through these four games. So um, I say all that to say I, I'm just not confident, confident in this offense. Um, I'd be shocked if they – at this point I'd be not shocked, but um, I don't know if they score more than one offensive touchdown in this game. You know, there'd, there'd be, I think, on a level playing field, which is what you kind of have to do for predictions, obviously turnovers or whatever, kickoffs or whatever. If they do that, sure, if they'll have better field position. But I've got LSU 24 to 13 in this game. I think they'll be able to cover. I think, like we've been talking about this whole time, if they get over 20 points, um, they'll have a pretty good opportunity to go in there and win. So I'm interested to see everybody's picks tomorrow. Uh, I would imagine we got a clean sweep for LSU, and I'm interested on Friday to, to look at the national media predictions, You know, where we go grab 50-plus, 60-plus predictions. I'm interested to see how much love Auburn gets in there. If people think Auburn can, uh, can get a turnaround game here. So um, looking at the schedule here, guys, well, we can talk about it briefly, but uh, you know, there are really good games this weekend. And we talked about at the beginning of the show, Jason, this, this old miss Kentucky game, this is tricky. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is not an easy game to peg. I mean, if you're Kentucky, you get Chris Rodriguez back, um, but behind an offensive line that isn't great. And if you're old miss, you know, they're going to score a bunch of points. Um, that's where I come down. You know, Kentucky's, if we're talking about 20 plus for LSU and Auburn, I think Kentucky's got to get to 28, 30 in order to, in order to hang around this game. Yeah. Kentucky's offensive line has been such a strength the last few years. It's not this year. They're not running the ball very well. Um, 
and and uh, I, I think they've been sacked. Uh, the only team that's been sacked more than 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 them is Colorado State, which is terrible news because um, this Ole Miss defense isn't very good. But if you let them get after the quarterback a little bit, they can do some of that. And so um, I still pick Kentucky to win. I think it's a close game. Um, I think those guys know how to win. Uh, we'll see if if you know Jackson Dart. Um, you know how they're going to be able to throw the ball because I think Kentucky's defense is good enough to go. You're not going to run for 300 against us. And so um, I pick Kentucky to win a close one. Yeah, I, I'm the other way. I'm going to go with Ole Miss, and it's not because I feel all that wonderful that Ole Miss is the better team. I just have them with a the home field advantage. That might be enough. There's a sneaky top 10 game this week between Clemson and uh, and NC State. Clemson number five, NC State number 10. I say sneaky. It's the it's the primetime kick on ABC. So, I mean, uh, you know, in, in our realm of things, it's not getting as much attention as maybe some of the other games. I will say something that interesting that was brought up today is also maybe that we should have our eyes a little bit more on uh, on Alabama going to Arkansas. I and mean, Alabama's done a good job against the the lower competition on their schedule and they they did what they should have done against uh against Vanderbilt last week but last time they went on the road against Texas had a lot of problems and uh, if Texas had had their starting quarterback for that whole game they they certainly would have won there um Arkansas had its fair share of issues but this first time in a while it happened you know a, a couple times in the past decade when you had those those really good quarterbacks for Arkansas certainly before Sam Pittman got there but this is the first time in a while that that Alabama's heading to Fayetteville, and and Arkansas actually feels like it might have a might have a chance to win that game. Yeah, oh, I think they they must eat they must eat Mexican food because uh, I, I don't think I think that must be gas. I, I just I after watching Texas A and M, um, and and watching KJ Jefferson try to throw the ball, I, I just don't like Arkansas's chances to go and and score a bunch of points. I, I they're just he's just not a good enough passer, and and so. Uh, this Alabama front has gotten better. Um, and, you know, I don't know if Alabama scored a ton of points. I just don't think Arkansas is going to score enough to win at home. Yeah, I think Alabama is going to win by a couple touchdowns. But, you know, it's not inconceivable Arkansas could pull off the upset because we're still a little bit in the dark about just how good Alabama is. And a road game like this will give us a, a better idea. But there's no doubt Alabama's got the talent. They're just – trying to put everything together. And I thought Vanderbilt did a good job of building that offensive confidence up for Alabama offense. It wasn't playing with a lot of confidence earlier in the season. And this is a big week in the ACC. In addition to that NC State Clemson game, you got Wake Forest and Florida State. And uh, I think those two games will go a long way to determining whether or not uh, that conference has anybody that's going to be under consideration for the playoff. Yeah, we we seen NC State have these opportunities. Um, this is you, you were talking about your show me game. This time for NC State to show somebody something. They've been picked and now they're in the top ten. They got to they got to win one of these games sooner or later. I think they could do it, but the games at Clemson, which is a big problem because they got such a great home crowd there, but Clemson's got a very inconsistent quarterback, and I think that's sort of evens the playing field a little bit in this game. I think last year North Carolina State played really well against Clemson. And uh, 
So they'll probably go in there with some confidence. But, you know, that's the kind of place you go in there and you make a couple of mistakes early. Clemson gets into it. The crowd gets into it. And and they could just bull rush you and you're out of the game by halftime. Yeah, we'll find out a little bit more about NC State these next few weeks. This game, then they welcome they host Florida State the week after that, which is a good game. Then they go at Syracuse, which has turned out to be a pretty plucky team here in the early season. So we'll find out if uh, we'll find out if NC State really belongs there in the in the top ten, top fifteen. Um, there's another SEC West game that's interesting between you got uh, Texas A and M. Heading on the road at Mississippi State. That's Mississippi State is always an enigma, but uh, they've they've found a way to be. I mean, they they won this game last year over uh, over Texas A&M at, at in College Station. Um, so you know, just just some more data that we'll get this week on uh, on some of Auburn's future opponents. I'm trying to look here at the rest. Yeah, of the I know Mississippi State, and I don't know why. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if, I if, think if. it's because I don't believe in Texas A&M's offense at this stage of the season. Yeah, I mean, and Nye Smith, you know, gets hurt and is out for the rest of the year. That I mean, that's a big it, deal. I mean, it's he is their their one weapon now. You know, uh, Evan Stewart, true freshman, came on and made some plays last week, and he's going to be a guy. But and it's you know, you know, A Chain is really good uh, running back, but you take away punt returner, kick returner, your most dangerous weapon outside at wide receiver for Max Johnson, and uh, I don't like their chances of scoring enough points to win and start. Yeah, you never know when Mississippi State's going to score ten points, or if they'll come out and win this game. You know. Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to score thirty-five against A and M, but it may only take twenty. Yeah, yeah. You look at like I was talking about some of Auburn's numbers toward the bottom of the SEC. You, I guess, you wouldn't be surprised, but for a ranked team, um, there's a lot of those metrics where A and M is not in points per drive, points per play, offensive efficiency, passing offense. Um, they're not in. They're not in great territory. They're down there with the likes of uh, Auburn, Vanderbilt, and in Missouri here in the early season. Um, so we shall see. They'll be a, uh, interesting. Went over Miami, season. lost some of his luster. I <laughs> certainly Miami did. Got rolled at home last week by Middle Tennessee State. Was even was not even close. So I meant to look this up. Did y'all hear slash see that? Apparently Miami has lost all three of its matchups with Middle Tennessee State. No, <laughs> I did not see that. <laughs> Apparently they've played. I could. This could be completely made up. Let's find out. Yeah, it's, it's true. They've Thank played, you for the big check, and we're going to kick your butt too. They have played three times ever, and Middle Tennessee has won all three of them. Now, granted, before this, the last time they played was 1932. Oh um, wow! So good, good while ago, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, geez, what a – and that was a Middle Tennessee. They lost to James Madison 44-7 yes. in week one. Sure did. The Miami but, fans booed their own team last week. Well, of course, there weren't a lot yeah, of fans. 150 there of them that were – Well, and, and they got issues now. They they replaced, you know, the, the, everybody's All-American quarterback. You know, and, and then now the other freshman, Jake Garcia, is in the mix. And so you, now you've – little quarterback controversy from a guy that people thought was heading towards the first round selection and and he got pulled. So yeah, they got, they got some issues going on. Um, you know, down in Miami, when you start talking about teams, everybody said, well, Miami and Texas, oh, they're back. Here we go. We're both sitting here, you know, four weeks into the season, they both got two losses. Yeah. We know better. 
at this point than, than, than the Denver I did because I picked Texas to win and Texas Tech. I did the same. I did the same. That was to me. That was one of those flip a coin games. I, I, I misflipped. Yeah, you had the uh, you had Texas Tech had to come out this week and apologize. I don't know if y'all saw that video. The guy just trucking that Texas player. Uh, it's just crazy. That's a that's quite the rivalry. Maybe they'll maybe they'll keep that one going um, once uh, once Texas comes into the SEC. But um, anyway, we'll we'll probably we'll probably go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, lots of good football this weekend, and um, starting we're recording this on Wednesday night. On Thursday, you get to watch some SEC football because of the hurricane. Um, it got moved up. South Carolina is playing South Carolina State at 6 p.m. on SEC Network. And if you're not a big NFL person, you'd rather watch college football. You can watch Florida play. Florida and UCF both play on uh, on Sunday because their games got moved back because of the hurricane as well. So me personally, that's what I'll be doing. I'd ra- I'd actually rather watch Florida play Eastern Washington. Yeah, not than, even than close. The, yes. Than the NFL. And uh, and UCF plays SMU. That'll be a pretty Rhett Lashley versus uh versus Gus. versus Gus. That, yeah, that that will yeah, if we can find that game somewhere on on a, a stream somewhere. I don't see it doesn't have a channel. It doesn't show it up right now. So <laughs> we're gonna have to pay may to pay for night vision to watch that game or something. So <laughs> What's the uh, what's the baseball flow sports? Oh yeah, no, don't remind me flow sports, <laughs> baseball, softball. Yeah, we'll go find the we'll go find bowling, the wrestling. Mm. Yep, bowling, wrestling, and Rhett Lashley versus Gus Malzahn, all in the same uh, all in the same camp. But all right, we we will uh, we will let y'all go. Appreciate everybody for uh, for listening today and tuning in. We will have the next episode will be the pregame podcast that I recorded. Again, Glenn West from Go247, the LSU site, recorded that one today, and that one will go up Saturday morning. Um, probably posted to the feed actually on Friday, so you guys can get in and get your last-minute fix on LSU. Again, 6 p.m. Central Time, ESPN, Auburn takes on LSU inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Thank you again so much, everybody, for listening. Please leave us a five-star review if you are so inclined. That is the number one thing. That helps us out, helps us continue to grow. The bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, we will catch you all later. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.